Hello, and this is Patrick Stewart. Uh, on and these are the voyages. <laughs> Go right yourself. The only podcast dedicated to like intensely it's... British <laughs> and wanting Earl Grey tea. <laughs> Welcome to go your yeah. <laughs> Welcome to go right yourself. The only <laughs> he's got this like flat tongue quality there. The only podcast The only podcast dedicated to fighting yourself. The only podcast dedicated dedicated Oh Grey, hot. <laughs> why is it why can why is it so difficult to do a Patrick Stewart impression? I have that no is, idea. There's like there's bass to his voice, but it, it's like the very he's a very commanding. He's certainly like this like flat tongue like quality to his. It, like, there's something nasally like, about it that I can't. Well, I'm, I'm very British. Very British. And... I'm very British, but I also have that commanding sort of voice. I was the right choice to be captain of the Enterprise. Do you know how I had a commanding sort of voice? Who? Walter Benjamin. The oh, famous really? Jewish social critic uh, yes. who lived from the end of the 19th century to somewhere halfway in the 20th century. Did he not escape from the Nazis? And, in 1933, uh, when Hitler was uh, elected chancellor, he fled the country. And then he ended up in Ibiza, where he, he did thought he'd be safe in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. Went absolutely wild in Ibiza. Um, He did. He literally took lots of drugs in Ibiza. But unfortunately, that's the thing that killed him. So he overdosed on ecstasy in Ibiza. What year was this? He overdosed on morphine in Ibiza. (laughs) Uh, And that was in 1940. uh, I guess that was the... Yes, uh, that was the ecstasy at the time. People were yeah, very. Yeah, uh, was the ecstasy at the time, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, according to some people I know who've had skiing accidents and been put on the morph. Uh, on the morph. On the morph. When you get put on that's, the morph. That's what they call it. That's what the kids are calling it nowadays. <laughs> See if you have an accident. Ask them to put you on the morph. Hey, yo, Doc, put me on that morph. <laughs> yeah. This is, is, are you sure this is a writing podcast? Are you sure? I'm just saying, hey, writers can have accidents too. So It's true. Writers do have that terrible, if your carpal tunnel ever gets so bad that you probably ask for some non-opiate medication so that you don't get hooked on it. That stuff will ruin your life. Yes. You're saying don't ask for the morph. I'm saying don't ask for the morph. I'm saying I'm put up saying, with it. Yes. If you get if you get the chance once in your life, you'll say, "Thank God I had that skiing accident. This is the shit." <laughs> you'll just keep going back and having more skiing accidents and more skiing accidents until one yeah. day they drop you off uh, on the top of a mountain on a helicopter, and you're like, "This is going to be the greatest skiing accident of my life." And instead of a writer, you end up being a, a, a high-velocity, extreme sports person for Red Bull. And you wear one of those uh, helmet cams that just get put on to make content for Facebook while going to extreme adrenaline-pumping, skiing, 
um, things where you never have an accident because you're too good of a skier and the only reason you wanted to start skiing was because of your horrible morphine addiction in the first place. I feel extremely overshadowed by your talents as a descriptive writer on this podcast. Uh, uh, the only thing that could possibly explain why you've not, uh, you're not a successful novelist yet with that talent is uh, laziness. So uh, I both, uh, I both rate. I, I after hearing you say all of that, I both uh, hold hey. you in admiration and also contempt. <laughs> uh, that coming from you yeah, is the no, most is the biggest be, compliment you, you can give exactly. me. Yes, but but this is a good thing. Anyone who's held in contempt by me must be doing something right. Right, you have to have at least a modicum of respect. But this is a good thing that you say that I'm lazy because I get to defend myself and brag about the fact that I recently finished the first draft of uh, of my screenplay. Uh, oh, I finished, awesome. Yeah. Does that mean we're getting a reading in a recent in a forthcoming episode of Go Write Yourself? Are you gonna God help take some choice bits of dialogue and tantalize us? <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe fun. I might yeah, I might read some on the podcast. There's a bit of tweaking to do, but uh the uh I would uh yeah, maybe maybe I'll read I really just wrote it just for practice to like to see if I could do it, to see if I had the focus to sit down and write uh, like 110 pages of, of screenplay. And, uh, and I did. So now you know that you did. Yeah. All credit to you. who yeah. dares wins. This is, this is true. This, this is true. And it's also, uh, a saying of, uh, of a person we're going to have, uh, on the podcast uh, in a little bit here, an interview that we're going to do with. Uh, well, we don't know what the, the we don't know what the order these are going out, and for all we know, that we've already we've already published that one. That's a possibility. I was trying to just sneak in a little advertisement there. Anyway, oh, keep your keep your ears peeled, people in the past listening forward in the podcast stream in the future in this time displaced recording of the podcast. Multiple timelines, yes, just like we John Hard, just like, like Star, Star Trek, Trek. Yeah, Next Generation. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> don't let anyone say we don't tie up our list ends. Yes, yes, we do. We're good about that. You know why? Because it was, it was we're writers. What it was was the lip. Yeah, we were deliberately foreshadowing. It's exactly, like all of that shit. was premeditated. Everything you no. just heard. What it, we have today, the yes. seven-minute, the excessive seven-minute intro to <laughs> a short article by Walter Benjamin, which we hope you will enjoy as much as we do. Now, before we go on, uh, as if this wasn't enough of a preamble, when I first sent you the Walter Benjamin stuff, is it not true that you were not convinced, like, your first reaction was not to like it? Yes, yes, that was my first reaction. When you sent me that stuff, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe I was in a bad mood. Maybe I just opened it and, like, with decided not to like it and was disagreeing with you. But you're right. I had the opinion that it was uh, that it was shallow and annoying and um, and very obvious. But you know, uh, my eyes my eyes were opened. You uh, you showed me uh, that there was there was valuable meaning to 
what Walter Benjamin wrote, and there was a message in there that I agreed with. Uh, mm. I found, yes, nice. I found in the style and in the message something worthwhile. That's cool. Like, uh, that's it's really interesting, that, isn't it? When when we don't like something at first and then we come around to it. So that's quite interesting because almost I was disappointed when we, we didn't know we were going to do a four-part series at the time. I thought no, we, we didn't. Might get, I thought we might get them in one or two, but that just shows how needlessly verbose and full of our own opinions we think we are. But we can uh, do that. But, My God, um, we're great. I know. We're so fantastic. Uh, I can't wait till there's Go Write Yourself statues dedicated to us. Well, like, it's, oh, it's oh, a very... Oh, totally en- will be. <laughs> it's a very enjoyable um, experience, I find, to not like something at first and then take another look at it and go, actually, I found a lot of stuff I like in this, so that's quite tantalizing that you enjoyed it, I think. Yeah, I, I found it... Uh, yeah, I'm very happy that you showed it to me, and... Uh, even happier that my mind was changed because it gives me some context for uh, learning things in the future. And I think as uh, as podcasters, we discovered that we can talk shop for an insane amount of time on very little content. So that makes this go. Yes, no easy. one will ever enjoy talking to me in a bar ever again. <laughs> They will. They will. Speaking they will rue which, the day they brought up the tiniest bit of information. Our, um, speaking of our excellence and self-importance, um, yeah, this piece is called Thirteen Pieces Against Snobs." It begins uh-huh. Thirteen Pieces Against Snobs." Snob in the private office of art criticism. On the left, a child's drawing. On the right, a fetish. Snob. Doesn't this make Picasso seem like such a waste of time? Now that's interesting. These 13 Theses Against Snobs. This is formatted fairly interestingly uh, because unlike the other theses we read, uh, there's sort of two two lists here. Uh, you kind of get two for one. There's uh, the numbered list on the left-hand side and an unnumbered list on the right-hand side. And it, it, I imagine these phrases are kind of paired with each other. So yeah, uh, as a comparison, in terms of a comparison, yeah. Oh, okay. So on, so on the one, left, on the left, as what's the artist the makes there? a work, right? Wait a second, because because let me just read the intro again. Thirteen theses against snobs. Snob in the private office of art criticism. On the left, a child's drawing. On the right, a fetish. Snob doesn't this. Make Picasso seem such a waste of time. So, on the left, a child's drawing. On the right, a fetish. So, ah, I see. So, on the on the left, for his numbered list, it's uh, like this is the simple idea. And on the right, this is how, how a snob would, would phrase the idea that he has. I guess we're going to find out in a moment. I suppose we will. Look at us. Being so intelligent. So, for number one, what we have with this, uh, as we learn to discover the method of uh, to to contextualize this work, is on the left, the artist makes a work, and on the right, the primitive expresses himself in documents. That 
No. I think maybe we'll we'll read a bit more and then decide to comment. Well, I, was, I can I have an idea from this uh, straight up is that like you know uh, this this left-handed the artist makes the works very simple. The primitive expresses himself in documents. That's you know that's kind of a you know looking down your nose at at whatever it is that he's doing. But you're right. I think I think this will reveal itself. Snob- See at the beginning when it says, doesn't this make Picasso such a waste of time? I think the point is the snob is too snobbish to appreciate Picasso because he's stuck in... Or well, he's, whatever he's looking at uh, makes him unappreciative of Picasso. Well, I mean, no, he's in... He, sorry, what I thought was he's stuck in Van Gogh. Van Gogh as he yeah. should be appropriately pronounced. So, you know, someone who, basically someone who likes classical art is not going to appreciate Picasso. Well, I mean, obviously you can appreciate both, but Walter Benjamin is sort of a modernist. Isn't he? That's why he's messing with the genre of writing. Oh, so, and I imagine he's, he's sort of a contemporary of Picasso as well. Yeah, so, so what I say, what, what, what are Picasso's dates? Yeah, so that's this, hard to... Yeah, no, he is. It's 1881 to, yeah. to 1973. That's Picasso. Right, uh, so Picasso is a little famous, and Walter Benjamin and his friends are really into modernism and not... Um, this is actually relevant, because... Yeah, it's like having a, friends, an opinion about Banksy uh, currently. Right, in our previous... Me- um, podcast i mentioned his friend teddy adorno who's a music critic theodore adorno and he was big on the new music atonal music hornberg and stuff like that and he didn't like when people took a little bit from classical music and a little bit from modern music and tried to mix it up and make it like healing to the to make modern music healing to the classical ear because what he was striving at is every epoch has its own art and its own form of eminent parameters. And so when you had someone like Stravinsky who tried to do neoclassical music, he found this kind of like absurd and he was like, you know, whereas someone like Schoenberg, who's an atonal composer, he had one foot in the past, but his music was a natural progression of what had gone, you know, before. You know, Beethoven, sorry, mo- classical music was a natural progression from Baroque music, and it had its own style and forms, like the sonata. And then romantic music um, took something from classical music, and Beethoven took one step forward, then those after him made it more kind of frilly, and then more romantic then. So, and then you had Wagner who had these moving tonal points and not everything stayed in one key. The key kept on changing throughout the piece. So these were natural outgrowths of, and he liked that. He liked that people were um, unpacking something that happened before and doing and taking a step forward. So, so maybe maybe this article is a defense of modernism. I'm I'm positing that as a, in, as a possibility. In such a way that like 
classical music progressed into what was then modern music the this this is like uh, a critique might uh, progress away from you know seeing pretentious simply because uh, you like something that's old uh, and you believe that contemporary art has no value because it hasn't had an established reputation yet you uh, you you a true critic might be able to see the growth in art and uh, look at it non-judgmentally instead of a snob who would uh, believe that there's only value in things that already have value. Right. So, so, and you can see that with Benjamin, how he plays with form. So when we've been reading these articles, they're not in a standard form of which we recognize from all of history. Although you, you mentioned that he's the progenitor of their listicle, but you know, he's met, he's playing with form. He like even this piece on one column, you've got one statement. On the other column, you've got a contrasting statement. The first one being, the artist makes a work, the primitive expresses himself in documents. Number two, please read it for me. The artwork is only incidentally a document. And no document is as such a work of art. I really like this. I've not, I, I can't remember the rest of it, but I'm looking forward to reminding myself of it. I already like where it's going. The You're artwork right. You're, this, is, is, this does very build up much, much build on itself. Go on. Yeah. The artwork is only incidentally a document. No document is as such a work of art. That, that's really good. Left and right. Yeah. And he I'll hyphenates do- in the left one when he says the artwork, he hyphenates it to say that like the art work is only incidentally it just like happens this. to be yeah. a document it just happens yeah. to be a document which means no document is a, is a such a work of art i love it okay three yeah. the artwork is a masterpiece the document serves to instruct ah so the in yes in this way the the snob kind of doubles down on his argument of saying no it's different because it's writing the child over here, the the inspired one, is uh, is saying that regardless of what it is, because it's excellent, therefore it's art. On artworks, artists learn their craft. Before documents, a public is educated. As in, before, in front of documents, not like before documents existed. You want right. to read it again? Yeah, sure. Number four is on artworks. Artists learn their craft. And the other one is, before documents, a public is educated. So this sort of two perspectives. The artist's perspective on creating the work and the public's expect, uh, perspective on uh, absorbing the work. I think he's contrasting artworks and documents. He's telling us what the difference between the two is. I keep... You know, perhaps you're right. I keep trying to look at it as a uh, as two separate lists written from from by two different people, but I, I think maybe you're right. I don't know yet. Let's continue. Yes. Artworks are remote from each other in their perfection. All documents communicate through their subject matter. Can you read it again? Right. Sure. Uh, this is five. Artworks are remote from each other in their perfection, and all documents communicate through their subject matter. 
it's, it seems to me influenced by his friend Theodore Adorno because he said what made classical music when it was good so much better than pop music is that it was emergent, uh, sorry, it was self-referencing. So you could have something, some piece of music that lasted bars and bars and bars, 30, 40 seconds later in the piece that would only make sense if you'd heard the first part. And just let me demonstrate uh, a small one, a small example of this, although Teddy didn't like Tchaikovsky. Um, in the Nutcracker March, the second part goes, dun, 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 which only really gains its full prominence <laughs> if you've already heard, dun, 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 dun. So, Teddy Adorno said, yeah. this goes on for bars and bars, 32 bars of music only takes its meaning. And he said, nothing comparable to that is possible in pop music. So, that's why this those stupid muggles that like pop music, they don't get what real good serious music is. And I think that's like Walter yeah, Benjamin stupid muggles. saying, saying, artworks are remote from each other in their perfection, meaning a great work of art stands on its own and is self-referencing, which is why you shouldn't put bits of classical music in atonal music, because it doesn't make sense. Are you sure this is still a writer's podcast and not a podcast about musical criticism? Music also needs to be written. So You're right. You're right. I'm, taking, I'm taking my artistic license. Yes, and to be a writer, you must know everything. It's just simply... I'm trying to give it. people some freaking context here. <laughs> it's good. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with your musical knowledge and your, your knowledge, your familiarity with uh, Theodore Adorno. I think, yeah, I in my well, opinion, I, I had to study. About... I had to study at both in uni, uni and college, so that'd be ah, enough. I see. That's very interesting. But um, that I respect it a lot. That yes, what Thank you, you. That's kind of simply you. already I feel educated. Dun, 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 dun. Number six. In the artwork, content and form are one. Colon meaning. One. Content and form are one which we should elaborate on that because content did not mean what it means now. Uh, in fact, it didn't even mean oh, yeah. that it's 10 totally years ago. The yeah. yeah, this is really good. Yeah. And the, and the artwork, content and form are one, meaning. In yeah. documents, the subject That's matter is really dominant. This is absolutely, this is absolutely Theodore Adorno's influence. Exactly what I was talking about. He's saying... A, in a good work of art, that's a, so interesting because someone could read this and not have the historical context to understand what Walter Benjamin I'm surprised how much you keep saying. coming back to him, yeah. This is surprising. Yeah, because, because they, they were friends, right? So that yeah. means they had a, like influence on each other. So you, you really need to know the historical context to really know what Walter Benjamin means here. Um, so... Well, that's interesting because I'm interpreting it slightly differently, but but I want to hear I want to hear what you think. No, you you well, you go first, and then then I'll then I'll then you'll add the context. I'll, okay. I'll add the context because you it's quite nice to come to something blind and find your own meaning in it. Yeah, I like that. You know, whether or not the author is dead, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but exactly. that, yeah, the um, what I find this to mean is that uh, well, first of all, uh, content uh, didn't just mean uh, random shit on the internet. 
content and form were kind of two sides of the same coin when making a work where like um, the content of uh, of your painting mm-hmm. would be like yes. oh yes. You, you painted I- a landscape or you painted uh, yeah or you painted a portrait or something where the form was like you did this and in in an impressionist style or like you did this in the style of cubism or you know the your method of painting the painting so when like when and that could mean it it couldn't ju- it's not ju- it goes larger than impressionism or, or or cubism or your your own genre of technique but when your form matched your content when your method matched your subject you kind of uh got at the heart of of a good work of art uh, and created what he says here meaning that's, awesome. that's how you expressed yourself so awesome yeah yeah uh, okay that's excellent i think that's good yeah. context simply coming into it blind uh what does uh, oh what's... yeah no you're yeah you're, well, what does theodore adorno have to say you're totally a very you're clearly a very profound person oh um, oh you're so theodore, sweet Theodore Adorno had this term which he called emergence. In other words, hmm. everything in the, everything in the piece should be pointed in the right direction. In other words, the content and the form should all be saying the same thing. Which, coming back to his examples, why you shouldn't put pieces of classical music into an atonal piece or something like that, because each has a different form, right? You don't like mix the forms around. That doesn't make any sense, right? So yeah. everything should be emerging. Everything should be saying, form a union and say the same thing. And that's what how I write songs. When I get on the piano, I want the lyrics, the melody, and the chords that I choose, and the way that I articulate those chords to all be putting pointing in the same direction. So this piece, whatever I write, is like an object. You pick it up, and it stands alone. Um, you, such you as what piano? he said. I didn't know you played sure. piano. I, I, I used to teach piano before I was a counselor. Seriously? We stand. Oh, yeah, wow. that was my job. We're learning a that's lot about each other today. Nice. So that's um, when, it, when you say, in exactly the same way that Benjamin said, artworks are remote from each other in their own perfection. In other words, each artwork stands alone. It should be emergent. The form and the content should be pointing in the same direction and saying the same thing. That is what I think Walter Benjamin is trying to express. And you pretty much got it on the head, just with a little bit less context, just by reading it, which I think is impressive. And the well, artwork... On, and the that's artwork, a testament to the author on, as well. In the artwork, content and form are one. Meaning, in documents, should I add, on the other hand... The subject matter is wholly dominant. In other words, it's just about the subject matter. No one really considers the form or not. And that's the difference, according to Benjamin, between an artwork and a document, I think. Yeah, where uh, I would agree with that statement as well, unfortunately. I would find that to be um, uh, true, perhaps, again, today more than ever, I'd say. Because if... uh, you know, or in a lot of times, uh, when someone creates something, uh, less kind of 
attention is cons- is is given to the form of it. I think that's why the word content has kind of won out in our vocabulary and uh, changed its meaning, because uh, I think a lo- when a lot of people absorb content in its modern meaning, you don't really take into consideration exactly what went into making it. I think people, or or, or form, I suppose, would mean something different as well. You, you know, you would have the form of, like, the shot, reverse shot of people playing different characters in a, in a dialogue together, like little TikTok videos like that. Or you have, like, the highly developed drone shots of uh, going around and looking over concerts with you know, lasers or whatever the fuck. Or you've, like, salvaged media that comes from 10 years ago that from a TV show that nobody watched that, you know, where it's just two characters going, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. I actually loved Parks and Rec, by the way. I don't want to say nobody watched that. That was a great show. But Yeah, um, I loved the first few, the first few seasons. Yes, uh, but I thought that this this sort of work, when it's, absorbed by its audience it becomes more about the their reaction to it than uh the nature of how it's made so you do get a meaning uh put across in in that method but it's less uh, less significant i think perhaps than it used to be mm. Which is, which is, it's less significant, perhaps, than it used to be. This is me taking the side of the snob now, um, because... Well, I, I think, I find that, like, I feel like this piece is snobbish in a good way. I think he's saying what an artwork ought to be. Um, well, that's, that's why and, I didn't and, like him at the beginning. I thought he was wholly committed to being a snob without any sort of self-awareness of who he was, I like, and... I, I kind of really, I, I very like, self-aware. I feel like I feel like I'm quite snobbish when it comes to art. Like I don't mind what people want to enjoy, but I know I don't think it's all subjective and it's all everything's as good as each other. Sorry, Vicky, but I'm not going to finish that <laughs> sentence. Can we actually delete that out? <laughs> you want me to delete "Sorry, Vicky"? I think it's funny. I'm going to leave it in. I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I was going to say. Uh, um, I was going to say. J.K. Rowling isn't as good as Jane Austen. <laughs> Is that Vicky's opinion? No, no, no. She loves Jane Austen as well, but like, she just she's just a huge they're Harry not, Potter fan. No, they're not. She's just a huge <laughs> Harry Potter fan. But was, but I don't want to break her. I don't want to break her heart. Come on, you can't take Harry Potter away from people. Okay. Uh, you you really can't. Uh, people seem very just just, just just cut it down to you can't take Harry Potter away from people. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. That's okay. okay. So right. I'm not one of these people who thinks that everything's equal. So like, um, Shakespeare is not equal to the Spice Girls, but you can't take Harry Potter away from people. So. Meaning is the, now he stops saying in the artwork and in the document, but I think it's implied. Meaning is the outcome of experience. Presumably, he means in the art artwork, artwork. And I understand this in the, from the context from the that I've 
shared already. Yeah. On the right column, subject matter is the outcome of dreams. Interesting. Meaning is the outcome of experience. In other words, you experience the artwork and meaning emerges. On the other hand, subject matter is the outcome of dreams. In other words, you think about stuff and then you write it down. That's my that's my interpretation, I think. I find that no, I, I you know, I, I think you're probably right. I don't have as much experience with Walter Benjamin as you do. Uh, but I find these I find these two statements just to be very I mean in the out in the in the kind of two sides of the same coin or even you know possibly even the same statement or if you could say meaning is the outcome of experience you might say um you, you might kind of reduce it down to content is the outcome of form and uh where you have subject matter is the outcome of dreams you could say yeah, you could say the work is the outcome of inspiration or or something kind of something broader. But I I really think that these look like two two the same statements to me. You know that 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 meme from the office where uh she's like, "Oh, those you know, like corporate needs you to identify the difference between these pictures." And they're the same picture. That's me. Right. That's me right now. Right. Oh, interesting. I didn't. I, I I see them as contrasting. I think you. Could, I think you could interpret them that way. I I I I agree with your interpretation as well. Read the next one. It's really good. Okay, number eight. In the artwork, subject matter is a ballast jettisoned during contemplation. That's that is that's very curious. Uh, juxtaposed with. The more one loses oneself in a document, the denser the subject matter grows. That is, hmm. Those are two very interesting statements. I was looking at the first one, I, I'd say that, like, to be lost in an artwork, you know, when he says the other statement, that, uh, I'm curious what he means by subject matter. Hmm. Because if you're just going to jettison it, then does that is that a a stream of consciousness thing? Is that does that make an argument for the closer you are to just letting things flow out of you, the greater your artwork becomes? Do you by your contemplation do you lose the idea of of what your work needs to be, and you let it become what it wants to be? Is that is that what he means on the left hand side? What's your opinion? I think there's some of that going on. Well, when I read that, I was like, "Yeah, I'm fucking on the Walter Benjamin train." I felt like I knew exactly what it meant, but it could just be my interpretation. I feel like he's meaning like, "Okay, you've got subject matter, but that's just something that you're working with. You're like in the flow. You're creating this work of art. All of that. Who once once it's finished." Who freaking cares about stuff like that? That was just a process. The point is, you've come up with an artwork. You know, the the subject matter was just what got you going, right? Now, yeah. you've got a complete work of art. On the other hand, if you do that when you're writing a document, which is not 
a work of art. That's just not the purpose of it. If you get lost in it, then you're you're just going to do what he talks about in that other um, article we talked about last time, which was um, how to write weighty tomes. You know how yeah. to write books that are big. Like if you get lost, you're lost. If you lose yourself, you can lose yourself in the process of creating art, and that will be wonderful. But if you do that while you're creating a document, what you'll get is a weighty tome where you you too many footnotes where you you know you overwrite it. That's what I take him to be saying. Okay, I can see that. I find this. this mean- I find I I find it difficult for uh, for myself to understand. Because this is very much a a growing list, uh, or a living where, where every, kind of thing that builds on itself, and so I, I find yeah, it, where everyone everyone yeah. builds on the last one. I think that's why these lists of thirteen things that he's got are so good, because in each one, each thing on the list builds on what he said before. Yeah, I I find it I I've taken too much to the context at the beginning. Um. Where I I I've accidentally committed to viewing you know one side as one perspective and the other side as another perspective and one side is good and one side is bad I, I made it dialectical and I, I should have made it like you know I should have in this it, much like this statement says I should have let it grow without influence on my own kind of preconceptions. Mm. I found uh, it's interesting that you'd use the term dialectical because that's what these guys were all about. Oh, all yeah, of very, these pieces, all of these pieces are dialectical, and all of the pieces we've covered, he's saying society doesn't get this shit, right? That's why I'm writing the piece to put you guys right on what art should be like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely taking a strong stance, and it's very close to what this type of philosophy would be as you've as you said before simple like easy to di- digest uh like barroom barroom yeah. philosophical brawl as as you would say I, I, yeah and and i have to say when i read them i can't help but think walter benjamin's very insightful i certainly agree that's very much right there on the page to see i it, it's easy to to tell that this man was was switched on you know he's not he's not, just he's not talking out of his ass it's it's very no, he's not just philo- yeah yeah he's not just philosophizing about writing he's noticed things about what makes good writing good and what makes poor writing poor that are true he's noticed things that are true and I'd say in this statement, more than any of the previous ones, there's there's a very high level of beauty. In the artwork, the formal law is central. On the right column, forms are merely dispersed in documents. So I think, again, this is the influence of Theodore Adorno. It's really important that you're aware of what form you're creating so that everything in your artwork conforms to the form you don't write a sonata and like make the first movement follow the correct form and then the second movement is like some fucking weird thing that's got nothing to do with how mozart wrote a sonata if you want to do that do that create a new thing that that's suitable to it's really so in the artwork the form 
the formal law is central, right? It's completely yeah. out of place to have, um, I don't know, some like weird uh, romantic scene uh, where no, definitely 1920s music in a horror movie, in a horror, yeah. in a horror movie, right? If you're yeah. going to make a horror movie, the horror movie follows certain norms. Just like they took, the piss, they took the piss out of them in the movie Scream and not another horror movie. And the same in not another teen movie, right? There are certain things that should go into a horror movie. The di- yeah. disagreeable character gets killed in a horror movie. Yeah. If you don't well, do that, you're not respecting the form. Yeah, you know? we, we, that's kind of a postmodernist thing when people, you know, w- when people had the the paradigm for all of these different things, because Scream was very much a postmodern horror movie where it took all of the elements that you would normally get from a horror movie and then specifically, like, subverted your expectations to uh, create something different. So when you, when it says, like, formal law, that is definitely, like, the law of the form that you're using, right. not... Exactly. Not some kind of uh, thing that you're supposed to adhere to for no reason. Yeah, because every form has its emergent properties. And if you're going to write in that genre... You have to use must... very specific things. If, if you're going to write a, you know, a, a futuristic sci-fi novel, you're yeah. probably going to have like a, a, a big spaceship and a large evil corporation that wants to dehumanize everyone and like right. laser swords like there are things that will make your work recognizable for what it is and that's that would Love come it. in the form correct i couldn't have said it better myself otherwise i would have oh you're being so nice today that's okay i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take i'll take the piss out of you tons once we finish the podcast Fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, (laughs) Number 10. The artwork is synthetic, an energy center, and the fertility of the document demands, colon, analysis. This is interesting because, like, one statement is very alive and the other statement is very, uh, very dead, very, like, looks at something like it's even though it uses the word fertility, it, it feels more uh, artificial and less less organic, I feel, than the other statement. This is me looking at it dialectically again when, uh, you know, even though they're related, they might not necessarily be related uh, as opposites. So I should say that the when... Benjamin says the artwork is synthetic, you know, an energy center. I suppose he means it's crafted. It's crafted and designed to inspire. Uh, The message is meant to reach out and have an effect and uh, create, yeah, create meaning in other people. Uh, To be... Uh, to to give energy to to radiate energy as as opposed to as opposed to the document which demands analysis which which forces you to uh, pour energy into it to exercise yourself such that you can understand what's happening there 
And this is this is the more I look at this, the more interesting this becomes because he uses the artwork is synthetic and the doc the fertility of the document. This is all right, okay. Uh this is spectacular here. Because he's made it he's made these opposite statements on so many different levels completely mirroring, mirroring, mirroring each other so well with uh, synthetic and fertility demands and you know an energy center this this these two statements dance like yin and yang this is very good i like this a lot i have no idea what it means but i'll accept that really I really I like find, the next I find one. this very lovely. This is very beautiful. Exactly. Okay. Something can be beautiful and it can be absolutely clueless as to what is intended to... <laughs> I think I know. He's saying, like, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, the art... Uh, you don't have to have scene. an opinion on it. You, you, you... No, I don't. I, I don't know what he means. I think, I, I think he means... I can see that he's saying, like, an artwork is an, you know is produced by the human mind and is like an, an energy center, whereas the, pot, the 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 purpose of the document is to analyze it. I guess um, the document denies analysis, that, sorry, demands analysis. Yeah, it's, I guess it, juxtaposition is the correct way to describe it. Yeah. The impact of an artwork increases with repeated viewing. A document overpowers only through surprise. I really, really like this. I think it's phenomenal. It's true. A good artwork, the more you read it, you go, oh, I never noticed that before. Oh, I never noticed that before. And that's, again, the concept of emergence. Once you've read it again, you'll see how often a good author is foreshadowing things that are going to come later and how everything ties up. And the more you read it, the more you're like, wow, this guy's so fucking clever. Whereas that's not going to happen the second time you read a document. You're not going to be like, wow, that's so clever. The whole point of a good document is when you read it the first time, it's novel. Oh, here's a bunch of stuff I should know. Check, check, check. Oh, novelty. Oh, I've not read that before. Oh, that is important. Okay. There's a, there's a document that will only overpower you in the first time you've heard it. You're not going to go second or third time. Like, wow. My You're right. Mind. There's nothing hidden there. That's yeah. why I had that's that's what I interpret it to mean. That's it's very that's very I I didn't see that when I read this, but you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, the fact that like a document is meant to instruct and isn't supposed to hide anything in the in artwork instruct. is instruct. That's his first one. Yeah, um, you're right. It's the third number three. The document serves to instruct. Correct. Yeah, he's already told you. What he means... Yes, this is quickly becoming my favorite listicle of all listicles I've ever read. <laughs> this, this particular... Uh, I want to bring up while we're here, the impact of an artwork increases with repeated viewings. All right? The MF Doom is a freaking amazing yeah, and we've, rapper. We've repeatedly... We've repeated I could listen to his albums a million freaking times, and every single time I will find something new and interesting I hadn't noticed before. I never, ever, ever get bored 
of listening to a good MF Doom album. And he's got so many different personalities and so many different, you know, uh, styles with it, too. And he's not just a good rapper. He's a good he's a good mix master. He's a good, you know, hide things and background noises and relate it to the rhymes that he's making. It's just I'm sorry. I've got a big I've got a big one for MF Doom, man. I just love him. It's almost Benjamin had had I'd had as cool a stage name. Maybe he'd still be popular today. Walter Benjamin isn't a great uh, name for the public. It's kind of it's kind of boring. Does doesn't have a lot of appeal. But uh, I guess Walter Benjamin could be a rapper. Yeah, a very a very like uh, easy under, Jewish rapper. <laughs> a very Jewish, a uh, very white, very kind of uh, small. Uh, yeah, not very. Um, uh, a very unsuspecting rapper, someone where he'd get on the stage and you'd be like, oh, "Uh, this guy." The say that no one appreciates good art today, except yeah. for in a German <laughs> accent. I'm yeah. Walter Benjamin, and I'm here to say, no, he's super gay as well. <laughs> that just That's because you're German, don't just mean you're gay. <laughs> okay. Nice one. This nice. is saying it. Hold it off there. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why why <laughs> doing a German accent automatically goes into like super camp. I just went to see my boyfriend Gunther. Yeah. Okay. Why did my Gunther? Enough of that. So, what we so, discovered was the impact of art on artwork increases with repeated viewing. Just as you discovered when you first thought you didn't like Walter Benjamin, the more you read him, the more you liked him. Okay. Yeah. It's number true. twelve. Number twelve. The virili- the virility of works lies in assault. The document's innocence gives it cover. Oh, oh, that's a nice juicy contrast. Oh, that oh, and I don't think he's saying I don't think he's saying that documents are bad here. I think he's just saying that they no. in this article in general that they serve a different function. And this is like, see, for anyone who doesn't know the difference between a document and a work of art, you're going to get fucking schooled. That's what's yeah. going on. And get round yeah. and pay attention because there's going to be a test. Exactly. And I like it. And now Walter Benjamin is finally sounding like a rapper. Yeah. Read my article and get schooled, y'all. The virility of the works lies in assault. Just like the way I fucking popped those fucking gangs last week. All right? I took that cheddar, bitch. Don't say it. Don't say the N-word. Don't say it. Yeah, I, documents. I was getting close. I was, <laughs> you were. Documents. Innocence gives it cover. I'm Walter Benjamin. There is no other. <laughs> Damn, you're freaking on it today. You're freaking getting it. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen after we put this out. But we're either going to explode or everyone is going to stop listening to us. And we're going to have no people I'm left sorry. to listen to. I'm sorry. If people don't want to listen, listen to this episode, just quit. Go right yeah, yourself. Just skip. Because just skip it. This, is, <laughs> this, is, this podcast is definitely going more in this direction. Okay? I'm just telling yeah. you that now. Yeah. Because because I've had more you think fun. we're talking about academic <laughs> stuff? No. If you've listened to all 17 episodes or how many we have by now, and you yeah. like you've listened this far and you don't like this one, 
here we are because it's yeah, getting it, more and more like this <laughs> it's getting more and more like this and less and less like whatever it was before i can We're tell bring you that real lofty work down to your level <laughs> <laughs> we're bringing ourselves down to that level yeah so we what are. i like about this is okay the virility of the work lies in assault in other words we're getting out there and my artwork is going to What's that? Epitar la, la, la bourgeoisie. Uh, what, what is it? What? Uh, in, 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 in French. Uh, have you not heard? Have you not that heard yeah. that expression? Epitar, la, la, let me see if I can get the correct pronunciation. But it okay. basically means like to to rattle some cages. So epitar okay. la, la bourgeoisie. To blow the minds of the rich people. Yeah, to scandalize or provoke the middle classes. In other words, you're going to put out a bombastic work that's like an assault. Boom. And you're going to... It's going to blow up the scene, man. It came to change the game like a memory card. That's 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 an MF Doom lyric, yeah. That's what you want to do. The virility work lies in its assault. Here's an artwork. It's emergent. It's fucking excellent. You read it and you're changed. Whereas the document, in a sense, is just a document gives its cover. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you look so look so innocent on the outside, and then after you're so done reading it, you're like holding your head and crying. Yeah. Yeah. And and his uh, his book, his collection of essays, which is available One Way Street, which I got these from. Um, Please, sir. After you. Oh no! I've read the last few ones. I, okay, I would like right. to have it. All right, lucky number 13. The artist sets out to conquer meanings. Juxtaposed with, the primitive man barricades himself behind subject matter. Ooh. Ooh, I think we really need to read that a couple of times. Yeah. The artist sets out to conquer meanings. The primitive man barricades himself behind subject, subject matter. Okay, so this is meant to round the thing off. It starts with the primitive expresses himself in documents. Oh, the artist makes a work. Oh, now I see. So in the right, this is maybe what the right column is like. You're, this is what you do if you're not making art. And you maybe think you're making an art, but all you've done is a document. Whereas the left says what you would do if you were an artist. I think that's what we've come to understand. I think so. I, I would see that yeah. very true. Yeah. Now, now it becomes clear. If only we studied before we did these shows, maybe we'd right. know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> right. We're just phoning it in, guys. We're just For fucking phoning it all improv. If you haven't Please guessed already, this is entirely... Subscribe to us on Patreon. Yes, us support us on Patreon. Let's follow our Instagram. We're probably going to make a Twitter soon. Go underscore right underscore yourself. And if this isn't worth $5 a month, I don't know what is. Yeah. Please, God. The artist sets out to conquer meanings. I'm not really sure if I agree with this, but it's meant to be. To me, this one is not my favorite on the list. In fact, after the last few, which were freaking excellent, it's a little bit of a letdown. But yeah. he thinks it's the culminating point. Just so you all know, the artist sets out to conquer meanings. And I guess that means he extracts meaning and conveys it well that's my guess because in one of them he says meaning is the outcome of experience and also he says number six and the artwork content and form are one meaning so clearly he thinks the purpose of art is to express meaning 
think, I think. Uh, that's not clearly, but that's my, that's why I surmise from this. Because everyone's got a philosophy of art and what they believe art should do. So I think meaning, meaning is very important to him. You could be able to pick up a mar- art and draw meaning from it. One of my ex-girlfriends said to me, Anthony, that- you find so much meaning in everything. And I thought that was a very touching compliment. Aw, that's sweet. That's a very sweet compliment. I find on the other hand, probably right that that I think I think these these both of these columns kind of relate to each other like that. You know, the 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 artist sets out like you're saying is it's emergent, emergent, just like emergent as one emergent. Using that word, there's yeah, (laughs) but like where where the artist sets out to conquer meanings, you know, the the artist goes out on an adventure and uh, the primitive man, you know, kind of hides behind his intellectualism is 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 collects information and uh, subject matter and Just, simply yeah. he's aware of something but he might not fully yeah, understand like- it yeah, he's just a documenter, you know. He'll just like maybe pick up some article that's been put out, I don't know, eighty years ago or something like that, and just yeah. like leave his own comments on it, thinking he's doing something creative when actually he's just he's just phoning it in. Yeah, never all did. of you people that pretend to understand things on the internet, we know who you are. We're looking at you. Right. All right. Yeah, we, we see. Could we never see do that. you not fully understand never the that sublime that. reality of the universe. We would never do that for a whole hour. <laughs> Not for anyone who comments on our stuff, but, you know. <laughs> so, the only thing I would say is, if you've enjoyed Walter Benjamin... Yes. Yeah. Yes, I don't just Don't just sit at home consuming content. Yeah, get out there. Remember, remember number one, the artist makes a work. And yeah. if you want to make a work... Stop listening to this podcast and go write. Go write yourself. 